and welcome to Haunted Nights Live. This is Alistair Cross, and I'm here with my co-host, Tamara Thorne. Tonight, we're continuing our month-long Halloween celebration with ghost stories and good times with two very special guests. Stay tuned and join us for an eerily good time. Good night, live with Tamara Thorne and Alistair Cross. First of all, we have to thank W.J. Pierce for creating and performing that wonderful piece of music you just heard, which we love. Uh, as I said tonight, mm. we're here with two special guests, and we have a lot of stories to tell, so I'm just going to get right to it. Our first guest is Jay Bonansinga. The Chicago Tribune says Jay Bonansinga has quickly and firmly established himself as one of the most imaginative writers of thrillers. His twisting narratives with their in-your-face glimpses of violence are set in an unstable, almost psychotic universe that makes the work of many of his contemporaries look rather tame. His novels, which include the Walking Dead series, the latest is Invasion, and if you wish to know more about the characters on the TV show, these are must-reads. His other novels, Pinkerton's War, Perfect Victim, Shattered, Twisted, and Frozen, have been translated into nine different languages. His debut novel, The Black Mariah, was a finalist for a Bram Stoker Award, and his numerous short tells and articles have been published in such magazines as The Writer, Amazing Stories, Brew, Flesh and Blood, Outre, and Cemetery Dance, as well as a number of anthologies. Jay also proudly wears the hat of indie filmmaker. His music videos have been seen on the Nashville Network and public television, and his short film, City of Men, was awarded the prestigious Silver Plaque at the Chicago International Film Festival. In 2008, his feature film debut, Stash, which is based on a short story of the same title collected in Candy in the mm-hmm. Dumpster, won the Gold Remy at the Houston International Film Festival and Best Comedy at the Iowa City and Queens International Film Festivals. Stash was shot in Chicago and stars Tim Kazurinsky from Police Academy <laughs> and the late Marilyn Chambers of Insatiable and has appeared on on-demand nationwide in 50 million households. Jay also has worked as a screenwriter with horror legend George Romero, Will Smith's production company Overbook Entertainment, and Dennis Haysbert of The Unit. Uh, Jay will be returning in January to talk about his upcoming horror novel, Self Storage, which we have both read and love. Seriously, this is a book that you cannot put down until you finish it. It's scary. It's good. It's great. It's true. (laughs) We also I have another guest. Yeah, we it, do. Seriously. Yeah, we have another yeah. guest. Yeah, and I'm going to turn the time over to Sylvia. Tamara, and she's going to introduce yeah. her. Our other guest and Jay's good pal is Sylvia Schultz. 
she's been writing for years and recently started switched from fiction to nonfiction primarily. Following a lifetime spent in the pursuit of the weird and the strange, she now shares that passion with her readers. Her fiction, both horror and romance, is still floating around out there, but these days she concentrates on living a childhood dream, telling true ghost stories. Her second nonfiction book, Fractured Spirits, Hauntings at the Peoria State Hospital was featured on an episode of Sci-Fi Channel's hit show, Ghost Hunters. It's the first book to examine the famously haunted asylum from both a historical and a supernatural perspective. And it was nominated for an award from the Illinois State Historical Society. Excuse my mouth, it stopped running today. In her spare time, she'll get some more material for her books by going out on paranormal investigations. She wanders around cemeteries and sits in haunted morgues so you don't have to. She is much in demand as a speaker and has made many media appearances in addition to the spot on Ghost Hunters. You can visit her website, www.sylviashultz.com, for episodes of her paranormal podcast, Lights Out, and you'll find us on one of those. Her latest book is Hunting Demons, A True Story of the Dark Side of the Supernatural. Um, For more than 150 years, seekers of the unknown have been trying to communicate with the other side, seeking out the lost souls who have died and yet still inhabit the earth. But what if some spirits being sought were never really human at all? What if they were hunting? What, What if what they were hunting was also hunting them? And you'll have to wait for the answers to those questions till later in January when Sylvia is going to come back and talk all about that book and her other projects. The end. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi. Good night, everybody. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> you. <laughs> oh. so, you know what the problem is? Is you guys, you guys have like, too many great credentials. <laughs> yeah, you well, just well, we, we, we both we each have that. Um, Pinkerton's War is actually nonfiction. <laughs> Yeah, Jay Jay is an extremely fine nonfiction writer, too. Pinkerton's War (laughs) and then The Thinking of the Eastlands. That's a brilliant nonfiction. I feel feel like we have have, (laughs) our our mothers write those bios. Like like my mom wrote mine. (laughs) (laughs) I I wanted to say again, Jay's book, Self-Storage, I remember when Misery came out and I walked around I walked around in the house. I couldn't even sit down. I was so nervous. Um reading that book. I had to finish I never finish a book in a day. I always parceled them out a few pages a night. And I had to finish it. First time since all those years back, Jay's book. Now I was sitting because I would have had to carry the computer around. But <laughs> oh dear God. No, I got nothing else done that day because I sat there and read the whole book. It is fantastic. But I'll talk more about it when you come back on. But Oh, man, you are good. sweet. Thank you. (laughs) You know what? You know what? what I love you. Whenever whenever we read your bio, we never see anything about Headcase. That's my favorite. I love that book. Oh, thank I you. Across, I came across that book years ago, and I've read it like three times. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I, I'm, I'm, yeah. I mean, and we didn't mention you know, it's it's it's, oh, it's, okay. it's a cliche, but when you have when you've written a few books, you know you you know you have kids a lot. If you have a few kids, and one of them, <laughs> you know, is a jock, and the other one is a is you know a professor, and and the other mm-hmm. one's a 
concert violinist or something, and you're so proud of all of them, but they're, you know, they're completely in different, different realms and, yeah, very different. Yeah. And we didn't mention your other newer book uh, that you came on last time with, Lucid. I love that one, The Why yes. About. Uh, Thank you. Lucid Thank Dreaming. you. I, I appreciate mm. that. Yeah, Lucid Dreaming. Yeah, I'm obsessed with dreaming. I'm obsessed now, with before, it still. It, me too. But we talked about that. And we'll talk about it again. But before we get started on the ghosts, I want to ask Sylvia, you, you mentioned you've been working in a haunted house. Tell us what gets grabbed, and do you like it when it gets grabbed? Tell us about working in there. Have you been punched yet? I got punched in the chest last week. I was there Saturday Ouch. night. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, all right, see, I'm in the portrait hall, and usually I'm – up in a drop-down window that just it stays open the whole time and it's got a frame around it. And I'm sitting there with, like, a, a porcelain mask on. It's plastic, but it looks like one of those porcelain doll things. And then a hood uh-huh. on so people can't tell if I'm real or not until they walk by and I I, I say, I see you, and then I do this laugh <laughs> from um, Sherry Moon Zombie from Devil's Rejects. Uh huh. Oh right. <laughs> Wait, do it. That do it again. People out. <laughs> that's disturbing. Isn't that great? <laughs> I did that for Sid Haig, and he just lost it. He's like, oh, that laugh. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I'm usually in that portrait hall, but um, there there's supposed to be somebody at the end of the hallway. And she wasn't there last Saturday night, so I said, "Well, I'll start off being in that in that corner of the hallway." So I stood there, and I stand there very, very still. I've been an art model for 18 years, so I can hold really still, and people don't know if I'm alive or not. So I'm standing there, and then as people walk by, I you know move and, and startle them. But the thing is that in the drop-down window right above where I was standing, they have a Slender Man character. Uh-huh. And he reaches his arms out and then leans over and reaches his arms even more and just freaks people out. And one, one girl just started swinging and caught one of his hands. And his hand came and caught me in the chest. And I, I, I came really close to breaking character. I just put my hand to my chest and, oh, okay, all right, it'll be okay. Ow. All right, keep moving, keep moving. <laughs> yeah, aren't you glad you oh. punched one? Aren't you glad? Are you glad you yeah. don't have balls? Yes, that would be worse. <laughs> After that, I, I said, you know, story about that. I'm gonna, I said, I'm going to be moved back to my portrait hole. It's safer there. Nobody can grab me there. Do I have the right show? Is this the right show? I, I was talking about <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah. Speaking of testicles. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. I'm kidding. Yes. Oh, I like I like st- the stories like that. I really have a ball with. <laughs> um, they're nuts. Squirrely. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, we could just do a whole show on puns, and everyone will tune yeah. out. You can't um, help yourself. Can you? <laughs> <no>. <laughs> uh, he puts up with it daily. So, <laughs> shall we talk about ghost stories? We have several from readers, and we have some of our own. Um, 
what would you like? What would you guys like to do first? I know Jay has a Halloween poem, but maybe we should put that in between. Shall we? Shall we do our reader stories first? Sure. Yeah. Sounds okay. good to me. Let's, the first one that came in is from a lady named Soma Bose, and it's called The Haunted Pond. She says it happened when she was 13 years old and a student in class eight. I, I think this is from India by the names here. Um, there was a haunted area near, I'm going to fracture this, Baruipara, the area's local name, where it was rumored there's never been any substance to it, that ghosts or perhaps some other paranormal figure roamed around the pond with each new moon in the late afternoon and evening. It was a solitary place as it turned into a narrow path toward a Hindu cremation area. I came to know about the area when our maidservant's daughter died mysteriously. Her body was filled with water and totally submerged in the pond. She was in her teenage years and a good swimmer, so that people started to say that she hadn't listened to her mother's advice and dared to cross the road past beside the pond. An evil ghost had then snatched her body into the pond, causing her sudden demise. It was also rumored that many years before, someone had lost control of his car and accidentally driven into the pond. Nobody was present at the time of his drowning, apart from one or two who couldn't swim. They said his right hand could be seen rising up from the water as he tried to get help. Afterward, if anybody fell into the pond, it was said he or she was seen drowning in the same manner, raising their right hand. That particular summer, yeah, creepy, huh? That particular (laughs) summer... Vacation. My my cousins and I decided to visit the place in order to discover the truth. Our eldest cousin was by far the bravest amongst us. It was the evening of the new moon, but there was still light in the sky, and as we reached the pond side, we felt a force compelling us to get down into the muddy area on the bank of the pond. But we clung tightly to each other's hand while one of us pronounced repeatedly in a religious tone, Hari Ram, Hari Krishna, after which we felt the force loosen. Later, mm-hmm. we ran home after our frightening experience. Now, you you have something about this in your Haunting Demons book, don't you? I Sylvia? do, yes, yes. Um, I take a look at the difference in attitude towards demons in Western and Eastern culture. And this isn't mm-hmm. really particularly a ghost story, but, yeah, there's, there's definitely mention of haunted ponds in the book. Uh, there are demons called Naga that haunt ponds. And uh, there's there was a, an 11th century Buddhist teacher, a, a woman teacher named Pema. Uh, no, I'm sorry, uh, Machig Labron. I'm probably butchering uh-huh. that name too. <laughs> but uh, what her story is that she um, was meditating one day and meditated so long and so intensely that she atten- attained a state of bliss and began to levitate and floated right out of the temple window into the branches Ooh. of a tree. And the tree happened to be next to a pond that was haunted by this naga. And the naga have, they have dual natures. They can be really territorial or they can be very protective. And the naga realized that um, Machig was in its tree and it got really territorial and it threatened to eat her. And she offered her body as food. And the naga was so impressed about this that he... He he vowed to protect Matcha Glavdon and all of her followers to this day. And the, oh. the theory behind this is this is this 
the, the precept behind this branch of Buddhism is you make contact with your demons, um, selfishness, anger, self-hatred, depression, despondency, and you identify those demons and you talk to them and you say, what do you need? How can I feed you? How can I take care of you? And then that demon will then turn itself around and be a support to you instead of something draining your energy. Wow, that's oh, nice. Yeah. It really See, that's is. why I never meditate. No. <laughs> <laughs> he floats into trees. It's terrible. <laughs> okay. Well, we have another reader story. We have a Bloody Mary story. I think Alistair. Why don't you read that, read that, Alistair? Yeah. You you want me to read it? Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. yeah go ahead. It's your favorite. Okay. Okay, Bloody Mary. This is from Myra M. in Idaho. And in the spirit of Halloween, I've decided, Myra, that the M in your last name stands for Mains. So you're Myra Mains in Idaho. Nicely done. I think it's fun. Okay, so, so yes. this is, what, this is wow. what Myra M. Yeah, this is what Myra M. in Idaho says. Bloody Mary is real, or at least it seems like it. In sixth grade, I had a Halloween slumber party, and we decided to play Bloody Mary. First, Linda went in the bathroom and held a candle in front of the mirror as she said, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. But she didn't say it the third time. Instead, she came running out, terrified. She said after the second Bloody Mary, she felt cold wind in the bathroom. I went in along with Rachel, Heather, and Linda to check, and the window was closed and locked. Heather volunteered to go next. She really thought Linda was goofing on us. We left her in the bathroom with the candle and turned off the lights. She was in there about two minutes, and it was really quiet. We started yelling her name. The door was locked. Suddenly, she opened it, and her face was just dead white. She hardly said anything except that she wanted to go home. We talked her out of it and got her to tell us what happened. She said after the second Bloody Mary, it did feel like a wind came up. It gave her goosebumps, and Heather was never scared of anything. So I went in with Rachel. We lit the candle and turned off the light, and we said the words. We didn't feel any extra wind or cold after the second Bloody Mary, but when we said it the third time, something white flickered in the bathroom mirror, like a face with dark shadows where eyes and the mouth would be. We both screamed and ran out. We dropped the candle, so I reached in and turned the light on and got it. I made myself look at the mirror, but whatever had been there was gone. To this day, I see it clearly in my mind. I've never played Bloody Mary again. So yeah. that begs the question, have you guys ever played Bloody Mary? Mm-hmm. You know, when I, when I, I was a kid, I, there was a different name for it when I was a kid, and I'm racking my brain to remember what it was. It wasn't Bloody Mary, but you, if you look Mary at Worth. the mirror. Mary Worth. Mary Worth. Yeah, Mary Worth. That, oh, that yeah. woman from the co- nosy woman from the comic strip. Yeah. Yeah, I never understood <laughs> the oh, yeah. there. You just had to say it three times into the mirror, and then mm-hmm. something horrible would go awry or, or something. I, I I was always too scared to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I always made was me too. nervous I mean, too. I would devour stories, but when it came to actually doing it, I was so chicken as a kid. Oh my gosh. Me too. Oh yeah. I totally was. It reminds <laughs> me of you know Stephen King used to say. Um, you know, people think that uh, p- that horror writers, people that write dark fantasy and horror, mm-hmm. are are you know uh, callous, 
perverts, <laughs> you know, living in yeah. dungeons and, you know, yeah. torture people and everything. But it's it's the exact opposite, uh, in, in, yeah. you know, according to King, and I think he's right. We're, mm-hmm. we're, we're the yeah. people who, when we were kids, we would never do anything bad or, you know, untoward or, you know, morally yeah. questionable because we were afraid of that, you know, um, um, you know, creepy comic book comeuppance that that you know exactly. um, yeah. cosmic justice. You know, we like had a healthy respect example. for that sort of thing. Yeah, we did. Always, yeah, Stephen King always used the example. Of, you know, we we never mm. pulled the wings off of flies because we knew that that night there would be an enormous, gigantic, prehistoric mother fly at our window. (laughs) Oh, but somebody here used to draw witches' cauldrons and glue moths to the insides of them. Eventually developed it. Yeah. That was, eventually felt bad about that, but that was a lot of fun. Uh, Chelsea Quinn Marlborough said the same thing. One of the first things she ever told me about 25 years ago was, horror writers are the most um, squeamish of all. Yep. That's right. Yeah, even even the imagination, Robert Kirkman, I guess. You know, you mentioned you mentioned uh-huh. off the air uh, the the um, Michonne scene, which is the most violent mm. thing I've ever written in my career. And in Robert Walking Kirkman, Dead. yeah, from The Walking Dead. And um, Robert Kirkman has said, you know, I'll, I write the scripts, you know, for comic books. That's what I do. I'm I'm basically a glorified comic book writer, and <laughs> I'll write stuff, and then yeah, I'll what see, do you think about that? <laughs> well, he, he, sometimes he'll, he'll get the art back and he'll look at it and go, oh, my God, what? Who came up with that? And, you know, the artist, or I've even done it. I'm like, well, Robert, that kind of comes from your comic, you know, script. You wrote it. I didn't write that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you know, and it's, he's, he's as squeamish as anyone when he sees it visualized, you know. It's, it's much more intense. I don't follow yeah. the graphic novels. I just read the books. I I, yeah. I watched the first season of it, and then I, I watched like 20 minutes of the second season, and it just left me cold. So the only exposure I have to The Walking Dead is your novels. So that's my frame wow. of reference. That's cool. Well, I, 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 yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll wear that mantle proudly. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I don't think I've got past the third season. I like your books better. Yeah, They're, they're more well, character-oriented. I, I, remember I, I actually, I really the... like this series. I really like this series. I, I just learned um, not 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 to watch it while I'm eating dinner because that's what I usually do. It. <laughs> yeah. I'm like eating. Yeah, I'm looking at. Not. I'm like, oh, it looks like brains. And... Oh, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know. Especially because it's barbecue. <laughs> yeah. But I like. That does not bother me in the least. Uh, I, re- I remember in the 80s. There was like a horror boom in, in the 1980s, yeah. you know, and this is all, I I'll, I won't get too far, you know, afield, I, but I'll come okay. back to the, what we're doing. But I remember in, in the 1980s, this is when I started in the business, and it was a horror mm-hmm. boom. Like, you know, horror was the shizit. It was it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know. You you could not pass a spinner rack at a drugstore without like forty you know foil covers with demonic children. And, yes. You know, it was it was <laughs> great. It was you know it was it was like uh, you know it was it was 
was like dystopian YA novels are now. It was, it was yeah. you know, yeah. That's things. what drew me to the genre in the first place. That's why I wanted to write fiction so oh. badly. And I wanted to write horror fiction so badly. Oh, oh yeah. Right. Yeah, I grew that, up on that. Yeah. Was, you, you were imprinted in that era, you know, as, as was, yeah. you know. But I remember there was also this sub-genre, this underground group of very talented writers um, don't get me wrong, they were really brilliant people. Um, people like David Scow and, and um oh, yeah. you know, Robert McCammon and mm. um, Oh my favorite, you know, yeah. Um yeah. Um Edward Lee and and, and <laughs> people were we, they they became known as the splatter punks. Yep. I, and, and I then, knew that's what you were having with us. I knew yeah. you were gonna talk about splatter punk. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, they 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 really wrote stuff that I, I when I, I I admired it sort of on a technical level, but I'm like I could never write that. That's so horrible. Yeah. That's just so gross and you know um just God. you know de- degradating. You know de- just disgusting. Just like that's what they were going for. You know as dark wow. as it possibly go. You know. And is, well, I know wet. I know that Michonne's yeah. scene was not technically splatterpunk because it wasn't you know it, it that wasn't the point of it. I and thought what of I it really though. Appreciated... I, I thought of the, yeah, I, but I thought of splatterpunk when I was writing it. I was like, you know what? I got to let out all the stops. I, I have to, you know. Yeah. I mean, and I thought I did. thought you know it's should brilliant. I get high? Maybe I should get high mm-hmm. when I write this. You know? <laughs> so. but, but, but what I appreciated about it from a technical standpoint, is not only did you have this this coldly, you know, doing her duty Michonne character, I mean, she was doing horrible, horrible things, but you also had the governor's reaction to what was being done and the way he ended yeah. up and the way he got broken and the way, I mean, just reduced to calling for his mommy and just that was... It, it, from from both perspectives, that was just masterful. Thank you, Syl. That's yeah. really sweet mm-hmm. of you to say that. But you, you you know, point of view is way deeper and richer in prose than you know in film. I mean, mm-hmm. film can do yeah. things that prose cannot do. But but point of view, uh, you know, we own that as prose writers. Like you, you can't yeah. smell, you know, what the person's smelling in a in a film. You know, but you yeah. in prose. You can get so far inside <laughs> a person's agony, you know, that it's really, um, really moving, you know. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. So Don't great. you guys agree? I, I wanted to I wanted to add something to the uh you, you talked about, you know, the the horror boom of the eighties. I was born in the late seventies and so I really grew up very enmeshed in that. It was it, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was everywhere. It was, it was what was hot. It was, mm-hmm. you know, and I really think that that has a lot to do with, you know, why I went on, you know, to, to, to do what I'm, what I'm doing. Um, mm-hmm. Don't you guys agree that, that it may not be what it was, but, but don't you think the last few years it's kind of made quite a bit of a comeback or is it just me? Oh, that's a great point. I think you're right. I, well, I mean, think of like, yeah. like, like, you know, American horror story, the Walking Dead, okay. things like this. I mean, these are these mm-hmm. are like at the, the top of the yeah. game. You know what I mean? Supernatural, I that's really, paranormal, yeah, supernatural. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. I think yeah, that's interesting. I think you're I absolutely right. I think it's another wave. It's another you know, it's another cycle. We're 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 yeah. into mm. the middle of a cycle, and it's wonderful. I mean, you know, yeah. It, it, it's 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 time. It's it's our time again. It, you know, we're due. 
we're, we're due. Yeah. Uh, makes, for we sure time. are, yes. <laughs> what makes me glad is the, the fact that a lot of these are inspired by true events, like The Conjuring and Annabelle. Right. All oh, these yeah. things are yeah, based right. on real real investigators and people That's that have had real experiences. so true, yeah. The Conjuring oh, yeah. is brilliant. You know, James oh. Wan. God, yes. Really talented director. I was riveted to that movie. I thought that movie was just spectacular. And that couple is so fascinating. <laughs> I don't oh, know if yeah. any of you had read that their book, but you know, I've always been fascinated by them from the Amityville horror on. They, they've been, oh yeah, yeah, you know, just so interesting. I but, you knew know, George Lutz, but I never met. Oh them. yeah, cool. Hmm. Interesting stuff, I'll tell you. He's sometimes. the owner, right? He's, he's he the, owner. the owner. Yeah, yeah. Interesting man. And I, I don't want to say more online on, on the air, but very interesting. <laughs> well, I mean, but, you know, it, I I love it. I yeah. think it's great. I think even the I think even you know the ghost hunting shows. I mean, there's always a lot of like you know scary movies that come come out around Halloween and stuff like that. But I think the last I don't know two maybe three years, it's really I like it. I like the way that it's going. I I I liked The Conjuring. I liked Annabelle. I love American Horror oh, yeah. Story. I love Supernatural. I you know I love yeah. these things. <laughs> and I think for a long time in the '90s they they just it wasn't really around in the you know you didn't see it much in the '90s and in the you know early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And I say welcome back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes. I I wonder. I you know sometimes I wonder if there's there's a connection to our society and the cycles that it's going through because, you know, it's see, I, cause I think about zombies yeah. a lot cause I get asked that question a lot, but you know, I think there is something to do with our, you know, our oh. political and social and, you know, um, societal cycles that we're going oh. to impact. I that. think you're right. During the, butcher, particularly the second one with all the wars going on, Right. Hostile, exactly. uh, all those really gory torture porn movies that I don't watch. Yeah. That stuff right. was so popular. Only right. zombies yeah. stuck, but they're more fun. But right. you know, right. Right. <laughs> zombies are more fun, especially <laughs> slow-moving zombies. Like, I, I love yeah, you know the fast-moving zombies are entertaining, but the slow-moving zombies are the classic icon of, of oh, yeah. zombie. You know, yeah. films and now, Romero. I'm not, even, I'm not even interested in fast zombies. I think the part of you know, I think part of the reason why they're so creepy it's is because fair. they're so slow. <laughs> yeah, right. right. Well, and with a slow now, zombie, you get really great headshots. Exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. right. Aside, exactly. From, exactly. aside from Walking Dead, we can't count Walking Dead because you're involved in it. My favorite zombie would be the uh, one in the Zomcom. Uh, Warm bodies. Oh, warm oh yeah, bodies. that was a yeah. love story. Yeah. What's yours? What, what are Fido. your guys? All of you. Fido. Oh, I, I, I absolutely Fido. adore Fido. Fido's fantastic, <laughs> and it streams on Netflix right now. Oh, I watched good. it twice recently. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah, you haven't yeah. seen Fido? Watch Fido. Okay, that's better yeah, than I, uh, Warm Bodies. I, I, I was going guys, to watch it, and I had to seen... work the next day. So yeah. Has anybody seen uh, Eye Zombie? I discovered that on Netflix uh, last week, and I'm really I liking it. I watched one of those, yeah. I watched the yeah, first I one, Zombie. but I'm finishing, yeah. Zombie Nation is what I'm finishing first before I go back to Eye Zombie. Zombie Nation is sort of Walking that. Dead yeah. light. 
Yeah. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. I like yeah. it because yeah. they made you watching, think they killed the Watching Dead that actually yeah. moves along and actually does something. Yeah, I really enjoyed that one. I've yeah, yeah I thought it was pretty fun. iZombie's good, too. Yeah, What it about is. you, it's Jay? Fun. Besides Walking Dead, that doesn't count. My, my favorite zombie? Yeah. yeah. Uh, my father-in-law? No, I'm just kidding. Um... <laughs> And, and, and when I say my father-in-law, I mean, I mean my first wife. <laughs> oh. I was going to ask, but I didn't think I should. Uh. <laughs> um, no, actually, it's, it's Bub. Anybody know who that is, Bub? No. Yeah. Bub, Wait, Bub that's... from uh, George Romero's Day of the Dead. Mm. And he, oh, he, he, yes. He, we we sometimes have him at the Walker Stalker conventions that we go to, which are kind of like our Walking Dead Trekkie conventions. And this guy, Howard uh-huh. Sherman is his name. Howard Sherman is this amazing actor. He's sort of a acrobatic kind of Lon Chaney type actor. And he played this zombie in Day of the Dead, Bub, who the mad scientist was trying yeah. to teach, you know, teach to, you know, use mm. a toothbrush and yeah. comb his hair and, <laughs> it, it really was, you know, it's been kind of um, borrowed and copied and paid homage to over and over and over now today. It's it's kind of an old mm-hmm. kind of cliche now that you're trying to teach the zombies, you know, things. Yeah. But that was the first, that was like 1983, and that was like the first time, you know. Mm. Oh, that um, was great. Yeah. 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 Pre-Fido. Pre-Fido, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yes, I have to cut in for a minute um, and remind you that you are listening to Thorn and Cross Haunted Nights Live, and we are your hosts, Alistair Cross and Tamara Thorne. You can learn more about what we do at our websites, alistaircross.com and tamarathorne.com, or you can visit our mutual blog at thorneandcross.wordpress.com, or if you tweet, our handle is at thorncross. Be sure and visit our Facebook page and give us a like at Haunted Nights Live. Uh, for more information on the show, you can visit Authors on the Air on Facebook, Twitter, and at AuthorsOnTheAir.com. If you're listening online, please click the follow button. This is a broadcast of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, LLC. Thank you for listening. We are here with Jay Bonansinga of The Walking Dead and Sylvia Schultz of True Ghost Stuff. And speaking of ghosts, we have more ghost stories, and I think we should have... I vote that we have Sylvia read the one from Josh in Wyoming. That. Yeah. Thank you yeah. so much. Yeah, I <laughs> I read welcome. this story. I just fall in love with this story. This was so great. So I hope Josh T in Wyoming is listening because this is this is really a wonderful, fabulous story. Okay. Many years ago, before we had our driver's licenses, my friend Jake and I used to go hitchhiking. We lived close to each other on the outskirts of town, and that's how we got around. We knew it wasn't a good idea, especially on Halloween, but we were young and fearless. We were 15 that Halloween night, and there was a party we wanted to go to on the other side of town. We headed into town, leaving at 10 after 9, early enough that if no one picked us up, we'd still have plenty of time at the party. We were walking down a narrow, deserted road, And after about 15 minutes, it got cold enough so that we could see our breath, be feeling in the air that night. Jake felt it, too. Maybe it was the trees and their shadows that was creeping us out, or maybe it was just because it was a dark, foggy Halloween night. 
We walked for a long time, seeing no cars. Then finally, headlights appeared behind us. We turned around and stuck our thumbs out. But instead of coming closer, the car came to a stop a ways down the road and just sat there. We couldn't see what kind of car it was, except that it was shiny and black. It sat there for several moments before turning around and going the other direction. We joked that we probably scared the guy, but in truth, we were the scared ones. A few minutes later, another set of headlights appeared. Again, we turned, stuck our thumbs out, and again, the car stopped just far enough away from us to make it impossible to make out. But it was the same black car, and we both knew it. It idled there for several seconds, watching us. Then it flashed its beams twice at us. We looked at each other, not sure what to do. Jake said we should see who it was, so we started heading towards it. As we neared, we still couldn't see inside the car, but we recognized it as Justin's, Jake's older brother. He was the only guy in town with a black Subaru. When we got within a few feet of it, the car went into reverse and peeled out in the other direction, again. Jake, annoyed with his brother, complained to the rest of the walk, but we made it to the party. We'd walked for about 20 minutes and arrived there at 9.30 at night. Jake knew his brother Justin was supposed to show up at the party later, but he never did. After the party was over, we got a ride home with another friend. The next day, I woke up to my mom telling me there had been an accident the night before. It had been Jake's big brother, Justin. He and his friends had been drinking and had had an accident in the canyon several miles up from town, and it wasn't discovered until early that morning. The black Subaru had gone off the road and hit a tree, and no one had survived. Someone living about a mile away said he'd heard the accident at just after 8 p.m., but didn't report it because he assumed it was someone playing with fireworks or something. I told my mom that was impossible anyway, that Jake and I had seen Justin or his car, anyway, after 9 p.m. After the funeral, Jake and I were talking one day about the car we'd seen on our way to the party. Do you think it was really him? I asked. Yes, Jake said. He knew it was his brother. Jake told me the time of death had officially been 8.15 p.m., and that he knew his brother had just been keeping an eye on us that night, making sure we made it safely to where we were going. And to this day... I believe him. Nice. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> but sweet. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I, I love it when that happened. I love that story. <laughs> yeah, the, I like the that night one my, because it's, yeah. yeah. The night my mother died, uh, I didn't know she was, you know, it had been a long time, and I was up late working, and I tend to have sleep disorders, so I was kind of watching, you know, things go on my screen, flipper, you know, I'm used to seeing hallucinations on my screen because I'm half asleep. And I saw her waving at me from the hallway. Wow. And so, and I was on deadline. So I got up and took a Ritalin and went back to work. And an hour later, my sister called and said our mom had died right when I saw her. And she had always, and she, she said something and I could just see her lips move, but I didn't know what it was. Yeah, I started thinking of it. I went out in the backyard and was twirling around telling her goodbye because I was so happy she was out of that used-up body. And mm. I suddenly remembered what it was my whole life because I was always dragging her to cemeteries. She always told me she was going to come back and say boo, and that was the mouth, that was the movement I saw. 
It made me so happy. Nice. Oh, that's that lovely. was cool. Nice. So I, I believe that story totally. Yeah. Um, and my oh, yeah. wife is really glad that it's not black right now, too, I'll tell you. <laughs> we also have, um, Jay, Jay has a, a Halloween poem, is that right? Yeah. Uh, I, I, back in 2001, <laughs> And it was October of 2001 that this book came out. It was called The Devil's Wine. And it was published by... Oh, I was in that. You you were in that? Yeah, it's the only reason I wrote poetry was to get in that book with all the other people. <laughs> <laughs> you it too? We were in it yes. together and we didn't know it? Yes, Tom oh. Piccarilli. Tom Piccarilli yeah. um, edited it and it was like a yeah. cemetery dance anthology. Yeah, um, and and, there, and we, we and have there were, our rights back. Yeah, yeah, and there were there were some great, yeah. you know, there there were there were you know St- there was Stephen King was in there and Bradbury, he was really kind of good. Yeah, Bradbury. Yeah, um, Tamara Locke. Thorne was in there. She's an amazing. Yeah, um, Yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway, I I I pull this this one out a lot because it it has this. Strange, kind of forlorn, kind of sad. Um, I don't know. God, it's hard to even come up with words for it. It was the year of nine eleven, and yeah. it was, and also it was it was the year that my my um, second child was born, and I was a father, and I was, you know, sort of putting away childish things, and it's so it, you know it kind of fascinates me because it takes this these these scary, scary, fun things were scary fun from my childhood mm-hmm. and then spins them into this scary, horrible, you know? And so I don't want to bring everybody down. It's not that, that much of a downer, <laughs> but it's, it's kind of an interesting, you know, I thought I'd read it tonight just to, you know, just to, just to spur us on for more conversation because it does that. It takes the scary fun and then turns it into the scary, you know, serious like mm-hmm. <laughs> you know uh-huh. real real scary stuff so and it's very short so it's called the razor in the apple which by the way was <laughs> a complete lie folk folk story yeah. you know urban folktale there's never been a razor <laughs> in an apple that's just a <laughs> complete fabrication um okay the razor in the apple you're seven years old full of bedbugs and beans, the rubber musk of a mummy mask and eye holes trained on leafy doors, candy in a torn pillowcase, wax lips and sugar corn, the euphoric thump of a bonbon hitting the bottom of a bag, the sheer denatured joy of nylon-clad sneakers pushing tides of crackling leaves and the sensual shudder of a cold, knowing flicker inside a jack-o'-lantern's eye, the skin prickling, crawling, the delicious chill of a child. And how the season turns and turns, the doorways darkening, the gelid beam of a car light, the distant song of sirens. You're 37 now, 
cholesterol and colic, your dread-driven dreams trailing after your little toddler, navigating the snaking stones, the slick steps, the unfamiliar porches, too many (laughs) nightly news shows, razors in the apples, clutching, clutching that tiny cold hand, never letting go, the troubling chill of grown men. Ooh, very nice. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 I that, love so, it. Thanks Thank for bringing you. us down. No, <laughs> no that wasn't a... No, I love good. it. It wasn't um, a downer. It was just really touche. delicious. <laughs> very delicious. I have, to, nice. I have to say, I have to say, you and uh, Jay and Sylvia, you both have such great reading voices. Seriously, we should just hire mm-hmm. you guys to do all the readings on our yeah. show. Yeah, yeah, just come every week and take over for us. <laughs> so, Jay, you know, you know, I'm doing all the rest of your life. I love radio. I love reading. Yeah. yeah, it's fun. Don't you guys love to hear the author, whoever it may be, read their own work? Yeah, yeah, they rarely want to. <laughs> a lot of them, a lot of the times, they don't want to. They'd prefer that we do it. But yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's you know, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm fascinated by it. Even even when it's not great, you know, it's still cool. fascinating to hear the original, you know, progenitor. The original the yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the original yeah. voice. Exactly. They know what they were trying to do with the with the piece. You know, yeah, better than yeah. anyone. Mm-hmm. And there are some great yeah. ones. There are some great author readers, you know, like Harlan Ellison. Um, mm-hmm. I've heard some fantastic authors read Larry their work. Larry Santoro. Michael. Yes, ah, right, yeah. right. Yeah. I used to go see Harlan Ellison read when I was young. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. He was good. Um, yeah. But I want to ask you, though, because we're already down to 15 minutes only we should have made this an extra long show. Um, I know, right? Next year, Jay, you have uh, you you guys both have ghost stories. Jay, can you tell us yours, your true ghost story? Yeah, I'll tell you mine as quickly as possible because I want to hear Sills and I don't want to you know overdo this thing. But you know, it's funny because um, there there are you know there's the old the the old um, standard wisdom is you know. If if you're telling somebody something that happened, and it and it happened to your neighbor's cousin's uncle's girlfriend, <laughs> then, <laughs> then it must be true. <laughs> then yeah, then you've you've gone into the realm of urban folktale. Um, and but I love those. I mean, I remember as a kid, I was fascinated by like the Kentucky Fried Rats. Like like you know, one guy uh, mm-hmm. you know opened up his Kentucky Fried Chicken and there was like a rat tail and, and then, <laughs> these, are, these are things that never happen <laughs> but they just smack of the truth. Um, so anyway, this this is I'll tell you I'll tell you very quickly. But th- this was okay. told to me by the person who went through it. So I guess if you were a historian, this would be a secondary source. But it's not my cousin's uncle's aunt's girlfriend's you know. <laughs> Uh, probation officer. College roommate. <laughs> college roommate, exactly. <laughs> so I, I was I was visiting my aunt in pure in um Quincy, Illinois, which is sort of a haunted town in the first place. Still probably knows what I'm talking about. You know, it's a oh, little yeah. river town and it's ancient. You know, it goes back to the mid nineteenth century. It's where the Lincoln Douglas debate was, you know, and it's really old. 
And my aunt lived in a very old house. And it all starts with construction because, you know, many of these these spirits get stirred up, evidently, you know, apparently. And and that's how it started for them. They had a very old house that was being renovated, and they started waking up. And she's telling me this on the lawn of this beautiful old Victorian house in Quincy one summer night many years ago. And um, she she told me about starting to wake up at the same time every night, like 2.13 a.m. by the digital clock. Uh Uh-huh. Would wake up. And all the lights would be on, and and then you know a couple you know that's this went on for a, a week or two, and then all the lights and all the faucets would be running at two uh-huh. thirty a.m. And oh. uh, you know yeah, and um, they uh, incidentally the sidebar this is going to enter into it in a second they they were a fairly staunch Catholic family Irish Catholic family um so you know they put up with this for a while they they would wake up and they would just go oh here we go again and they would go turn off all the lights and turn off all the faucets but they started to notice other things were getting weirder and weirder like they would wake up and the dog would be like at the top of the stairs tracking something visually down the Uh. like it was watching something and and then the final straw, I guess, was when my aunt was alone. Uh, my uncle was out of town on business, and their kids were in college. And she wakes up, and it's just her and the dog. And she wakes up, and she goes around the house to turn all the lights and faucets off. And she goes down in the basement where much of the renovation was being done at that time. And the construction guy's tools are now sitting in a foot of water, and the water's pouring out of the main faucet and she's terrified that she's going to be electrocuted she goes to turn the main faucet off and her wedding ring flies off her hand and my my aunt races out of the room then terrified and locks herself in her bedroom and calls the construction company and the foreman says yes ma'am we will come right over but do you mind if i bring a gun and so then she found out that the construction guys were were spooked by this house were freaked out weird stuff was happening to them so so then the next day my wow. my aunt calls their priest they they're uh, you know a very devout catholic family very close to their priest and um you know one of her friends had, um advised her to that to call um a guy at duke university who she went to high school with. And evidently Duke is probably the one of the, the the most important higher learning institutions that studies paranormal phenomenon. Still yeah. to this day. Duke has a yeah. this amazing program there. And um so, you know, the guys at Duke are telling her how to set up a camera and a voice recorder, a trigger mm-hmm. at regular intervals and record the thing. But the priest tells her no don't you dare under any circumstances attempt to record this entity, whatever it is. A, you you, you may not like what you see and hear. Mm-hmm. And B, you may make it angry. Mm-hmm. So, and this is the last little part, and I'm done. But my aunt decides to wait it out. She, she decides to do nothing. And mm-hmm. eventually the priest offers to cleanse the house 
and she agrees. So they schedule this cleansing. It's like the night before the cleansing was scheduled, she and her husband wake up at the appointed time, and they hear a thump. And um, that day, just as a quick sidebar, that day one of the construction guys came to her and said, Ma'am, there's, you know, there's, there was this handcrafted newel post that we made for the bottom of the stairs that we're renovating, and it's gone. And she, oh. um, she looked all over the house for this newel post, this handmade newel post. She looked in under things that had rolled, had maybe it had rolled under something, and it was physically just not in the house. Wow. And at 2.13 a.m., they go to their door, figure out what this thump was and they open it up and the missing newel post is sitting on the hallway floor right in front of their door. Oh, <laughs> oh sweet and very scary. Wow. wow. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Yeah, that's a good one. I'll tell you how good that is. Yes. <laughs> so now we want Sylvia's story too. Yeah, something about oh, boy. Yours. I've been I've been trying to think of which one that I can that I can say that will fit the time. Uh, I've I've got so many wonderful. Oh, we can go over a few minutes. Yeah, oh, you're fine. All right, you're fine. cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, I I decided that I'd talk about um, the uh, haunted bar that my husband and I used to own. Oh, owned, I love that story. It, yeah. <laughs> it it had always been my husband's dream to to own a bar, and that's when he and I met. He was managing the bar that his grandparents owned in Deer Creek, Illinois. So he really wanted to own this bar, and the, the chance came up so that we were able to purchase this bar and own it for a while. And we took we we got the keys on my birthday <laughs> in late August, and. Uh, as we were picking up the keys, while we were just still trying to get the bar, Rob said, oh, by the way, this bar that we're buying is, is haunted. And he knew I was just going to do this happy little Snoopy dance. <laughs> and, of course, I did. <laughs> so um, so the night we're picking up the keys, uh, one of the, the, the bartender was there, the old bartender, and uh, he said that he, he was telling us ghost stories. And the most famous, the, the most well-known story that happened at this bar was that um, it, it, it faces Court Street, and it's a second-floor bar, so you have to come up the stairs. And um, it, when you reach the top of the stairs from Court Street, there's a little banister, and you go around the stairs, and you go into the men's room, and it's a dead-end hallway, dead-ends into the men's room, very small, tiny little room. So... This, this guy walks up the stairs, and he's in he's in fancy dress. And the bartender really didn't think anything of it because it was New Year's Eve. But this guy was in like top coat and tails, dressed to the nines, really really well dressed, dapper man. So he comes up the stairs, and he turns around the banister and goes into the men's room, and just stays in there. And doesn't come yeah. out. And the the bartender is like, uh, I better go check on this guy. So he goes into the men's room, and there's nobody in there. Wow. Oh. <laughs> and oh, we, later had, we later had we later had a sensitive come in, and she was 
she was standing at the bar having a drink, and she and I were having a drink together, and there's a really lovely front room that has bay windows that look down onto Court Street, and she kept looking over at that room, and I said, you know, I can tell you are itching to go over to that room, so let's go over. So we passed the pool table and went into this this little front room. We had couches set up and everything, and she looks out of the bay windows, and she kind of chuckles a little, and she goes, I can see horses and carriages going by on Court Street. Oh, <laughs> and wow. She goes, cool. That's where your top hat guy comes from. He gets out of one of these carriages and he enters the building and he comes up the stairs and he goes around and he goes down that hallway. And Very I said, Yeah, cool. that's, that's exactly it. <laughs> Creepy. And then the, uh, oh, yeah. Wow. Well, well before, it's been a series of bars over the past 40 years or so, but before that, it was the meeting place for the Knights of Pythias. And there's mm-hmm. still a, a beautiful worked tin ceiling in the building, and in the middle of the ceiling, there's like their sigil worked in tin on the ceiling. Ah. It's really just a really splendid place. Oh, yeah. So the other story that the bartender was telling us was that um, there was a bar t- a different uh, other other fellow than he uh, another bartender that was working there that um, he had locked up for the night shoot everybody out at closing time and locked the doors and he was standing at the end of the bar with his back to the main part he was facing the bar and he was counting the money and he heard footsteps behind him and his first thought I mean he's this big guy. His first thought was that he had overlooked a patron, a customer, and had locked somebody in with him, and right. was taking advantage and going to, you know, going to steal the till. So he whirls around with his fist raised, and there's nobody behind him. Nice. Oh. Wow. <laughs> there was one early summer day that I had to be at the bar by myself didn't bother me at all. I was perfectly comfortable being there. But when we remodeled the bar before we opened, we had um, we'd put carpeting on the front of the bar to help with the, the sound coming from the stage. So I was sitting there. I was actually writing a blog post on the hauntings at the bar <laughs> with serendipity personified. So I'm sure it was early summer day, so I had shorts on. So I was sitting there with my knees up against the carpet, the rough carpet of the bar, and behind me, I was there completely by myself, and the doors were locked. I was waiting on a beer delivery. So there's nobody else in, with me in the bar, and I felt rather than heard footsteps behind me. And they flexed the floor enough to pull my knees away from where they were touching the carpet. Oh, Oh, (laughs) jeez. And I just turned around, and of course there wasn't anybody there. And I said, hey, whoever it is, hey, how you doing? (laughs) (laughs) It was brilliant. We had several investigative groups come in, and um, one of them, there was a medium with the group, and she she looked at me halfway through the investigation, and she said, there are just layer upon layer upon layer of spirits here. 
and they're all here and they're all in different time zones and they don't really know that each uh, other are there. <laughs> it's just a oh, feeling so cool. spirit. Wow. There were uh, there were a couple of intelligent spirits though. <laughs> there was a female spirit who was getting close to one of the male investigators on the couch and kind of flirting with him <laughs> through the spirit box <laughs> and, you know, asking him for a cigarette and whatnot. And then there was a bartender who was really irritated with us bringing investigators in. He was like, we are not mm-hmm. performing animals. And I I told the medium, I said, just please reassure him we're not, we don't, think that you're performing or anything we just want to communicate that's all we're after is we just want to communicate and, and talk with you we're, we're just glad you're here right so <laughs> wow uh, yeah. now well, we're going to have to sign off but two things I know one thing. what we talked to go ahead no no I was just going to say oh, I know one I, thing next year next year we're doing this for an hour and a half we're going to make it or two hours yeah <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. Um, whatever we can do. <laughs> you guys, you guys, ready for that? We'll put you in right now. We're <laughs> there. We're a pencil is in. We're in. Use Sweet. the sharpie marker. Sweet. An extra and long instead edition. Of our, after we say goodbye tonight, instead of our usual music, I would love it if Sylvia would do her laugh. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> I would be delighted oh, too. We always think the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so so I'm gonna I'll take us out, and then we're gonna hear the laugh. Okay, so in closing, very quickly, Jay Bonansinga, where can readers find out more about you and your work? You can find out more about me and my work at the website www.magnetic with a K at the end, Inc. I N K dot com. Magnetic Inc. Two. All right. A. Okay. Perfect. All right, Sylvia Schultz, where can readers find out more about you and your work? Well, there is a wonderful website called sylviaschultz.com. That's S-H-U-L-T-S. And I highly recommend that your listeners visit that website because there is a link to the Lights Out pod. If you enjoyed hearing me read that story from from that fellow who wrote in, you can hear me reading stories and people telling me their true ghost stories. Just check out Lights Out on sylviaschultz.com. Cool. All right. Sweet. I'm there. And thank you, guys. Thank you, guys, for being here. We are doing this again. Uh, Jay, you're coming back in January. Sylvia, you're coming back yes, early Sylvia. next year as well. We're very mm-hmm. excited about that. So, Thank you, guys. Uh, thank you yes. so much for oh, having thank us. You. Yes, thank you. Can't wait till next this year for a next Halloween party. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. We love having you. You're welcome back anytime, and we will talk to you both very soon. Um, Until next week, thank you, everybody, for listening. We wish you haunted nights, sweet screams, and and happy (laughs) Halloween. Good night, everybody. Thank you for listening.
Haunted Nights, live with Tamara Thorne and Alistair Cross. 